Yeah, to everyone, this is Kelvin. Welcome to episode 44 of Res Metal Podcast. On this episode, I talk with Bradley Glendale of Necron. Necron is a one-man black metal project out of uh, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. And Bradley is of the Kwakwakwa or Kwakutl tribe. And uh, on this episode, we talk about kind of like his background, uh, the music scene in his area. Also, just kind of like, you know, how he developed Necron. And um, uh, it's really interesting about how he, you know, really talks about the, like the production and the distribution, you know, of um, his uh, one-man project. And uh, we also just kind of talk about some of the issues that um, he notices that uh, his uh, people face. But um, yeah, I was really thankful uh, to talk with Bradley. Uh, shout out to Metal Cave Zine for um, recommending uh, Bradley to you know reach out to me, and you know we were able to set up this uh, interview. So I hope everyone enjoys this uh, episode. I'm gonna play a quick clip of uh, Necron. Um, this is the track "Black Fires of the Grave Ones," and I believe it's on the Red demo. So check it out, and then uh, stay tuned after the clip and check out the interview. All right, yeah. Check it This is Kelvin um, talking with Brad from Necron, one man black metal project out of the Vancouver Island. Um, hey, Brad, do you mind giving yourself a quick introduction to listeners? Yo, I'm Bradley Glendale. Uh, my Indian name is Casales. My English name is Bradley. Either one works, and uh, I've been working on Necron for a few years now. Yeah, thanks for thanks again for letting me talk with you and. Um, uh, are you calling in from the Vancouver Island area? Yeah, actually, I'm down on the south tip of the island in Victoria. My my wife goes to school full-time here, so there's a place here that we stay on the weekends. My weekend, which is Monday, Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm in the Fort Defiance area here in uh, northern Arizona. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of going back with uh, Necron, um, or even before that, like... Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your, your background and kind of like your tribal uh, affiliation and community? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm a member of the Danuktau, a Wheatlaw Nation. It's a band of, you know, Kwagyu, Kwakwala, or the Kwakwala-speaking people on the, it's the north tip of Vancouver Island and a big chunk of the mainland across from that. Uh, my family is from Glendale Cove and Night Inlet, hence my last name, Glendale. And my father, Bill Glendale, is actually our, our current chief. And 
yeah. So my family's been from there for as long as we can go back. We're pretty sure our legends go back somewhere in the fifteen to thirty thousand year range. And uh, and yeah, I, I grew up on the island here. Well, middle school, high school. My old man was a logger, so you know we moved all over to every corner of BC before then. But uh, but yeah, came up in the Comox Valley, which when I was a teenager had a fucking awesome punk and metal scene and just started going to shows pretty young, you know, third, maybe like 14, 15 started going up shows pretty heavily. And, uh, and yeah, with, with our culture, I just always thought these two things need to collide at some point. <clears throat> you know, I'm, uh, I'm also the youngest of a, a large sibling group. I'm the youngest of six. My dad's the oldest of 10. So I've always just, looking around thought that how are way more of our people not into extreme metal you know yeah how, how was your exposure to like heavy music or how did you get introduced uh, to it well being on the being on the youngest end of my sibling spectrum i got almost i got one sister and the rest are older brothers so you know around third or fourth grade kids start talking about music at school and you know i'm part of that generation where Everybody around my age, their gateway bands are shit like Corn and Disturbed and stuff. But I remember even at that age, you know, going home and talking to my brothers and they'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? And it was just like, no, we're going to listen to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Sabbath tonight, you know? So it was definitely like a trickle down influence from my brothers. And I found that each of us took what the previous sibling did and went a little further. You know, it's like, Old man starts at psychedelic rock, ends at Zeppelin. First brother starts at Zeppelin, ends at Maiden. And then when it gets to me, it's like I'm going into school with Maiden. And by the time I get to middle school, it's almost all guttural vocals, and my brothers hate all of it. You know? Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It's like a it's like a generational. Like, or you pick up, you know, where the last like major generation um, as far as the music goes. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I um I kind of got into it with like kind of like my older cousins um right yeah my old me and my older brother were like a year apart um but we pretty much kind of get in get into stuff at the same time and I remember one right. dis- one distinct summer um my mom dropped me and my brother off um with like my um, my aunt and uncle on the reservation and um my cousins were just like listening to like 6 feet under and Danzig and Typo Negative and like we had Wait. no, <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't have any like choice in the music selection. We just kind of went with it. And I just remember. Uh, right. Just, but they're already like knee deep in like guttural vocals and yeah, punk rock and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like where I kind of came in. But I remember, I remember I wasn't really ready for like, you know, things like death metal at that point. I kind of had to kind of pull it back a little and just kind of, yeah, I, I was in the generation that got into like new metal, but um, right right yeah it took a while for me to really like appreciate like uh, the really heavy stuff um but um yeah i could say i could say something similar i think you know it's at first when i when i started really trying to dig into it and learn more about music all the time in like middle school i think a huge part of it was trying to argue with people and prove to them how technically amazing it was all the time so i would always try to find shit with clean vocals and try to point out stuff but then I found the more I dug into it, the more, the less I cared about what the fuck they thought about it. The more, you know, ninth, 10th grade rolled around. 
and it's like now I'm getting into the guttural stuff. It's like, and almost the opposite feeling where it's like I like that nobody likes this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, were yeah. like other like the uh, in your community were there like people that were into like uh, more mainstream stuff? Because like over here, I think the biggest the biggest thing that everyone's into is country. Like, um, but was there something similar to like that in your community? Uh, I would say the closest would be like the pop punk that evolved into like the second and third wave emo stuff. You know, it was like everybody, you'd go to a metal, you'd go to a punk or metal show, usually both because the town's not big enough that you have to combine the punk with the metal scene. And you go to a show that has both at it and it would be like pretty heavy stuff, like a thrash band and a cross punk band and then a death metal band. But half the kids in the audience are in, you know, uh, American Idiot and, like, My Chemical Romance t-shirts and shit. Mm. So it was kind of like that sort of... The MTV, like, hard rock was, like, the main thing in town. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Well, that's cool. At least, I, I mean, it's got some... Everyone's got some kind of common thing with, like, rock music. Um, I feel like over here it's completely, like... It's either, like, country, hip-hop, or, like, heavy music. Yeah. The country is pretty rare in the Comox Valley. It exists, but when people say they like it, they're totally looking over their shoulder before they say it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think around here, everyone, like their parents, like, you know, like everyone grew up listening to, like, you know, old country music or the soundtrack to the Urban Cowboy movie. And uh, it's kind of just like a, it's kind of like just implied. And then everyone, uh, you know, eventually gets kind of get finds their own like their own interests um yeah totally yeah yeah and i was in high school just at that perfect time where it's like everybody had kazaa and limewire and was kind of enthusiastic about breaking off of like the shit on the mainstream radio you know yeah um and then uh how did how did you get involved with like playing music like um you know with necron you handle sounds like it, it i understand you handle all the instrumentation but kind of like how did you first get introduced to playing music? Uh, I started playing guitar, like, just piddling around, like, not really doing anything with it in the 7th and 8th grade. And then, like, uh, around ninth, 10th grade is when I met a few other guys that were, like, pretty serious into it. And then I didn't I didn't realize that was, like, a option. Like, you know, you could spend your time doing this all day, every day. And then once, once I started hanging out with them, I was like, oh, shit, I can... You know, they showed me how to look for music online and read it and start playing, you know, ripping off intros and riffs that I liked the songs. And I, I, I thought that I was taking it pretty seriously in hindsight. I probably wasn't, but I thought I was taking it pretty seriously, like 10th to 12th grade. And then, uh, the other instruments, they didn't come until the last like two, three years. I've always wanted to play the drums. And every time I see a kid, I try to fiddle with it for as long as I can, but I've never had one. And then uh, just in the last couple of years, I finally got my hands on one. And uh, it's the instrument that I wish I started earliest, for sure. It's, like, the most fucking fun, and it's the most relaxing. And I, for me, multitasking is really hard. So I can't even think of anything else for my day when I'm doing it. So it's, like, really, you know, cleansing that way. And then uh, and then bass, honestly, I was the most of, like, the the anarchist black metal I was listening to at the time, a lot of times I didn't even have a bass player, so I just thought I wouldn't even have one. Until until about, 
you know, just over a year ago when I finally found a guitar tone that I liked. I was like, okay, it lacks bass. I got to figure out how to play bass now. That's awesome. Um, and uh, were you um, in any other bands uh, prior to forming your current project, Nick Run? No, I mean, I mean, well, yeah, me and a couple of high school friends dicked around with like, you know, two jams and then every other hangout just ended up being us drinking beers and watching Pulp Fiction again, you know? <laughs> so like that, 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 that didn't go anywhere. That wasn't very serious at all. Yeah. Um, how did you, or kind of like, what was like the thing that inspired you to, to start playing black metal with Necron? Well, when I, you know, around like middle school and stuff, when I started discovering what black metal was and all the Norwegian black metal, like lyrical themes, I pretty much the entire time I could imagine this exact song almost being just transported to the, you know, the indigenous American experience of Christianity, almost mirroring the Viking experience of Christianity in a lot of ways. And I was, I thought I wanted to have like a party thrash band or something. And I always thought no matter what I sing about or no matter what the lyrical theme is, it would have something to do with like, you know, family and upbringing and like just the shit from my environment that I see. But then I found, I don't know how to say their name at all. I'm going to fucking butcher it. Gibba or something like that from Prince George, which is oh, a yeah, first nation yeah. black metal band from BC here. Do you know how to pronounce it? Um, no. Yeah, I don't know, and I've never heard anybody uh, say it. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same here. I, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, found out about them too. Like, well, I think years ago. Yeah, yeah. And once I saw that, shit, and I used to live in the town that they're from, Prince George, up there. So once I found that, I was like, it. You know, it's like you only know what's possible from what somebody's doing in front of you. So it's like, holy shit, it turns out like a generation ago in metal, there was already a BC band, a three-piece black metal act that was singing about indigenous issues and their folklore, partially in their language, partially with their instruments, and just not giving a fuck and self-producing it. And with a dope logo that's like the Chaos Star with a cool native wolf in it. And I was, once I saw that, it really clicked. Yeah, they're amazing. Um I, I got I was able to get one of their CDs. I remember like they posted some stuff on like uh, Bandcamp and yeah, even that like artwork and the imagery too is just that's you know, phenomenal. It's yeah, amazing. totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. So once I saw that, I was like, holy shit! How come I? It then like the the idea for twenty years ago about the black metal thing came back, and I was like, this is it's so obvious now, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm uh, that's cool that you mentioned that. Like, yeah, the 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 people that formed black metal had so much like um uh aggression and so much like um uh resentment towards christianity and that that for sure reflects like the, a lot of the indigenous and native american attitudes toward uh, organized religion so that's um yeah i could see uh, that that intermingling with like uh tribal like culture and uh imagery really does uh work well with uh black metal music yeah yeah totally yeah. um and then um what were like and you mentioned giba uh but were there any other uh 
bands around your area or just like um, bands in general that really kind of like uh, inspired you to play the black yeah. style? Yeah, for sure. I'll try to, I'll answer your question in order. I'll go like local and then a little bigger. Uh, locally in town here, uh, I mean, in, in Courtney, where, where I grew up up island, uh, there was a lot of like good punk bands and like you know heavy metal bands around town. I, I went to a school with a couple guys in a heavy metal band called Golgotha, which uh, which was just like you know a couple kids in a thrash metal band and some thirty year old guy singing. And then, but that band moved to Victoria, and the remnants of that band actually formed the power metal group uh, Unleash the Archers. So there was that kind of like, there was like some real cool like virtuoso like technical guitar players at my school that were like you know, always something to chase after. But then, like, down in Victoria here, uh, there's the Black and Crust band, Iskra, that was just huge when I was in high school to all of, you know, our fucking gnarly corner of kids in the corner of the cafeteria. And they're, uh, they're formed out of the remnants of an even older punk band, punk metal band, Black Cronstand, which, uh, you know, it's all anarcho-punk. It's, it's pretty heavy stuff, but then when they evolved into Iskra, it's like the riff is changing constantly. The fucking it, it's really intense and it's really awesome to see live. And the cool thing is, they're like they're real purists. So it's like no matter how big they got, they would still come play a five dollars show in somebody's kitchen in like buttfuck towns on the island, you know. And even even you know a decade and a half later, when I saw them at Edmonton, they were still playing five dollars shows. So on the island here, there's a lot of really good, really good stuff. And then uh, recently, with like in the Lower Mainland scene here, I really look up to uh, there's a black and thrash band from Vancouver called Wormwitch. It's all like you know cool medieval magic sort of themes, but it, it's a real cool marriage of like uh, I kind of compare them to Skeleton Witch. You know, it's like a merging of black and thrash. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, I love them. And uh, and then you know. A little bigger, not that I'm trying to like emulate these sounds or anything, but a little bigger than that, I really look up to the band Absu, uh, you know, three-piece Texas black metal band where the drummer's the singer. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, in Canada here, we've got great one-man black metal bands like Spectral Wound putting out stuff. And then out east, even like the, uh, the Quebec and Toronto like death metal scene is really good too. So there's really good Canadian acts like, uh, I think it's Autre Tomb or Autre Tomb or it's like French for something tomb, but, uh, you know, really good sludgy, like entombed warship, death metal, a lot of that kind of stuff going around. And yeah, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, like really love that, um, special wound album that came out last year, Diabolical Thirst. That was it's pretty sick. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah, all the top, all the top like lists of the year that I saw had that and that uh, that Pale Swordsman album like almost always in first place. But I thought that Special Wound album was was fucking fantastic. Oh hell yeah, um, yeah. I, I really just uh, for me, I, I really just dig any like black metal or it could be death metal or any kind of like heavy aggressive music with like um, like indigenous or Native American like influences. Um, totally, totally, and I, and I like a lot of the bigger black metal acts too. You know, I like uh, I like Dark Funeral and shit like that too. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, honestly, I think Dissection is probably like one of my like, all time favorite 
um, oh, yeah. albums. Um, the like Storm of Light Spain. Uh, I, I just I just love that album. Everything about it and the artwork and I know like oh, there's, yeah, there's like not, some there's not one skippable song on there. Yeah, Every song. Yeah. Is... I mean, there's a lot of like kind of like um uh I guess uh kind of like sketchy history with the lead singer, but I mean I guess I wasn't around. I'm I'm I didn't discover dissection until like two thousand five, so like I was like, Yeah, totally and, and from what I've read that, about yeah. that yeah, from what I've read about all that, I mean, I'm pretty ignorant to the situation, but from what I understand, his sketchiness almost all seems to be involved with what's their worst album anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, all of his all of his sketchy whatever's is all funneled into that final album, which, to me, didn't stand up to the first few. Oh, man, Storm of Light Spain, just, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, and then, yeah, um, yeah just uh, kind of like with, uh, with Necron, um, you know, looking at, like, uh, your... Um, like the the visual um aspect of Necron. Yeah. Um like uh do you do you take a lot of influence um kinda like from from your kind of indigenous background? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. On 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 two big fronts really. Firstly like the the theological and folklore and religious aspects totally play into the lyrical themes really, really well. You know, like even just even if I were, even if it were a thrash band or like a whatever kind of rock band, you could easily still have a song about, you know, Zunaqua, who's a big furry shape-shifting woman that steals bad kids, bad kids, smokes them like fish and eats them, you know? So it lends, the imagery alone lends itself to what's happening to like, to like, to the music really well. And then like the other half of it too is the history, you know, not, just in black metal, but all over heavy metal, you see people singing about their local history, whether it's in a folky sort of poetic way or whether it's in like a direct history lesson, like, hey, here's what happened on this day sort of way. And I think that stuff plays in really well. Um, <clears throat> my father's a residential school survivor. And, you know, there, up until recently, there was a residential school right in Alert Bay, which is a town that like a lot of my family lives in. So, I mean, the violent brutal history with the government is another key part that's really easy to, to draw from, you know? Yeah. I know um, around here, one of, I think one of the biggest issues that we face is just like, you know, the like murdered and missing indigenous women. Like, yeah, that still still happens. And um, yeah, it's really sad. I don't know if that's, is that is something that uh, takes place up in your area? Yeah, yes and no. Yes, certainly. We we actually just had a missing guy that got found recently. But um, I think because the island is secluded to an island, that sort of activity is a little harder to get away with. Certainly there's people that go missing hitchhiking and, and shit like that, for sure. Um, I would I would say, like, the thing that plays in the, the themes of my music more so and the stuff that I see around more so is, like, you know... Um, like booze, alcohol, yeah. you know, a lot of families having a really hard time from what's often called the ripple effect, you know, like our parents and grandparents were in the full tsunami tidal wave of it, but to us and, you know, to our grandchildren and shit, it's still going to be a ripple. They're still going to feel some wave and some impact from, from what's gone on, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I, well, and I think, I think the two things that you're saying, that we're saying, you know, the MMIW stuff, it's all it's all related. It's all related to the same sort of catastrophic genocide, you know. Yeah. 
And then um, I told you I work in like the healthcare field. Um, you know, I, right. I do talk to a lot of people with uh, problems with uh, addiction, and yeah, a lot of it kind of stems from stems from like upbringing. Like uh, a lot of people bounce around in the foster care system as little kids, and then you know there could be some yeah. trauma like you know um, going on, and then their mind keeps going back to that that time and place when they were traumatized and. And then it really totally. kind of hinders them from like getting a regular job and like, you know, just functioning, uh, in society. And then, yeah, using like substances, like, like alcohol and drugs as like their, totally, totally. They, yeah. They get that, yeah, they get frozen in that moment of trauma or at least part of them does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just, to, just to relay that to myself, I was going to, I was going to quickly say some shit about some family members, but it's like, I might as well just talk about myself instead. The, um, for me, when I was a kid, when I was four, on a Easter Sunday when we were home, my brother went into his room and shot himself. He committed suicide. And, you know, there's totally, like, social aspects and all kinds of parts of myself that were frozen right in that moment, right up until pretty much when I was 18, I dropped out of high school. I joined the forces, and I was in the Navy. And it was, wasn't was until I got that, like, what I always refer to as, like, my douchebag frat guy fresh out of basic training confidence. That was like the first thing that ever undid my social weirdness from my brother committing suicide, you know? And then, and then the military just brought on its own shit that I'm just starting to fucking figure out, you know? But it is that thing, you know, where you, where your brain, your part of your development is frozen in this moment. You can't get past. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 uh, it's really hard. You know, I, I know like it's, um, I you know, just hope that, you know, the people that go through that can, like, you know, just find the good support and, you know, try to, you know, function on their own without the use of substances. But, you know, it's it's easier said than done. I mean, it's just, yeah, the alcoholism is just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to overcome around here. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I got, I got another brother that, like, you know, like not even, not even 15 years after that killed himself drinking and driving. And it's just, you know, it's that same shit cycle. And, you know, not not them in particular, but you see a lot of people where that happens. And then the kids they leave behind, they they grow up to be just like their parents. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, just, um, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, definitely there's just a lot of, like, stuff around here that uh, I think, yeah, does fuel people to, you know. Uh, you know, it's good to see them, like, put their like anger and frustration into like art like music or um totally and, and, and in that regard I, yeah and i really consider myself one of the lucky ones you know it's like i found a focus for it and i found it pretty early you know like extreme music got into my life early enough that i've always been able to relate something that's going on with me to a song or to like an album or whatever you know what i mean yeah. and uh and you know it's fucking it's worked out for me like that and I, I see people around me in my life that, that ne- don't necessarily have that outreach. And you can see them grapple with it. They're trying to find somewhere to put these feelings, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for myself, you know, I'm not a musician or I don't really, you know, I, I can't play music. But, like, one of the things that keeps me focused is just doing this. Like, you know, I, you know, find bands and then, you know, I, I'll be able to, like, talk to you know like what we're doing and then it really just keeps me focused you know i i edit this myself and then you know i like put together the the little like you know photoshopped artwork it just keeps me like keeps my mind like occupied and busy like 
Um, I think like totally. Yeah. Then you get to watch it grow and develop. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, especially like just the response, and then on top of that, it's like it's kind of like almost like an addiction, and then I want to like do it again, and then you know just try to like keep keep reaching out. It's kind of like more for me, and also like I'm, I'm, I, I like you know doing this for for people to listen or you know for bands and like musicians to like you know spread their you know spread their music so uh, it just keeps me busy out here um but um going yeah. Back, yeah going back to your um your music with necron um like um like kind of like um i know you've put out a couple demos and a couple singles um yeah like you you we talked about earlier is this you you pretty much do everything from like from like thinking of this like the music and then all the way to like the production and all the way to like distribution like um yeah yeah totally so it's like um i make i make everything myself in in like in the house i built like a kind of what i call a studio really just like a soundproof spare room that doesn't have a window and uh and yeah i I kind of figure it all out from there in my in my full-time work life i'm a tattooer so i already understood like um you know, editing programs, Photoshop, stuff like that. So packaging the stuff came pretty easy. Um, and I've always taken, I've always, not always, but lately in my life, I've been one to quickly jot down things that I think of. Sometimes it's like, you know, a silly little poetic limerick about something I'm observing. Or sometimes it's like just a thought about what I'm seeing happening. I compile all that, all that shit. And then when I end up with two or three pages of stuff, that sounds kind of similar. I try to whittle it down into a song. And, uh, <clears throat> and yeah, so it's like, I make all the music, I make the lyrics, the the packaging, it can be a bit of a struggle when it comes time to print and stuff like that. I, I, I live and work in a pretty small town, Parksville. So it's like, there's not a very hot you know, print shop in town or anything like that. And it's actually funny. I keep telling people the fucking the most expensive part of producing the first demo was not getting all the music editing software. It was not renting the instruments or even ordering custom color, custom length cassette tapes. It was printer ink. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I spent like fucking five hundred dollars on printer ink making this thing. But uh, but yeah, it all comes together pretty well. We're pretty lucky here in Canada. Um, I'm not sure if any of your other bands have mentioned this or anything, but duplication.com or duplication.ca is like one of the last, looks to me to be one of the last companies in the world making cassette tapes in custom whatevers. And it's a Canadian based company, so we can get the stuff pretty quick. Oh, nice. Yeah. And yeah, when I was looking online, it was like my options were Canada, Sweden, or Japan. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. And then, um, and then with distributing it, um, down here in Victoria, there's a fucking awesome place that's Wicketa Underground Music, uh, Cavity Curiosity, and I think the promotion company is Cavity Productions. But Andy, who runs that, he is a huge supporter of local art here. And uh, ever since I was first trying to get out of the forces and selling T-shirts and like graffiti ink and stuff that I was making, he was happy to carry it in the store. And uh, so, and yeah, it's a record store and a bookstore, and then also he he puts on shows. He puts on the Vancouver Island Heavy Metal Festival, and even he'll get he'll get acts like like Skeleton Witch and stuff like that to come to town. And uh, <clears throat> so you know he's always been a big supporter. He sells my stuff, but aside from stores like that on the island, I just use social media to reach out to distros and 
tape traders and you know underground magazines and shit like that yeah yeah for sure and then um the yeah metal casing like yeah it was kind of how i found out about your your stuff thanks man did i kind of answer your question i feel yeah, like I'm yeah no it's cool it's like yeah you like you know start from where where you get the idea for a riff and then you know you kind of will oh, it down and and then record it and then like the production and then distributing yeah that's that's yeah, and the riffs, you know, it's like the riffs. It, when I was younger, you know, being in the being in the navy really fucking. I feel like it totally took the guitar away from me because you don't have enough personal space to to bring something like that aboard. So I totally dropped the guitar for the most part for like between three and five years. And when I picked it back up, it was weird how I could. I couldn't remember the building blocks to the complicated shit I could play, but I could still play it. And it's like, I couldn't, I, for the life of me, I could not get the scale out that, that makes up that riff, but I could still play that riff. So I found when I got back to it, I could not ear, I couldn't hear something by ear and mimic it, but I could hear it by ear and make like what I would call like a shitty sketch of it. You know what I mean? Like if that song is a finished painting, I can do a half-assed sketch of that painting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I get like five or six of those together but I like, I really like crunchy fucking headbangers that are like two to four minutes long. So I only need three riffs, one for the intro, one for the chorus and one for the verse. So I'll try to get five or six similar riffs sounding together, play them for a couple of days or a couple of weeks until I can transition between them relatively smoothly. And then similarly to the lyrics, whittle it down like to the time length and, and repetitiveness that I like. Yeah, I dig it, and it's super raw. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, uh, my only, my only thing is like, I, I found out, found out about it too, too late enough to get a physical like uh, taper CD. Um, looks like they've they've been sold out for a while. Yeah, and then and I've been, I've really been really flabbergasted by the online response to that. It's, uh, I certainly wasn't expecting that first one to like fly off the shelf as quickly as it did. But, um, but you know with the last year and a half of news of them, they say discovering, some people say rediscovering, some people say whatever, finding all these bodies and corpses and hidden graveyards and everything all over North America. Locally here on the island, it's mostly, it's mostly, you know, really forward thinking hippies and stuff like that. So they're, they're really empathetic to it. And they're so receptive to indigenous art at the moment. Now, I, I don't, I don't know how much optimism I have that this will echo into the future, but for now, at least there's a real flare up in like interest in locally made stuff. And even in Parksville where I work, my, my middle-aged and elderly clients, they're, they find out that I'm indigenous and then they're desperately curious about it. And, uh, and that's, that's like really refreshing lately. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool, man. Um, and then I understand there's a, another demo, uh, in the works. Yeah. Yeah, Blue Demo is, uh, honestly, the only thing I'm waiting for right now is uh, tapes, which are all fucked up and shipping right now. But once I get those, I'll start printing them, and they should be, they should be ready within a few weeks here. Nice. Um, yeah, and it's going to be three songs. Uh, the last song on it is going to be a sequel to the last song on the first demo, so it's going to be Resistor 2, and it'll be uh, my longest song to date. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Um 
but uh yeah no that's that's really cool i'm, I'm glad you took the time to talk with me um uh we kind of talked about the stuff that you know you've been listening to and like um uh were there any like um you know other bands you think people should check out or any artists or anything that you know, listen listeners should check out yeah i mean i probably just emphasize some of the ones i already said like iskra iskra locally on the island here awesome awesome black and crust anarcho stuff you know um I sing the praises of Skeleton Witch up and down because I think they're the perfect marriage of black metal and thrash metal. Um, let's, oh, man, it's going to take me a second to think here. Oh, fucking one black and roll record that I think is crazy underrated that everybody should check out is Reclaim the Flame by Tyrant. From what I understand, and I could be getting this totally wrong, it's the guy from Vinterland, which is a, a great one-album, one-man black metal project. But... It's just him and two other guys getting together to make a raw, simple, crunchy fucking headbanger. You know, it's that it's that midnight style Celtic Frost worship, but way crunchier and way heavier. Yeah. Damn, that sounds awesome. Tyrant, you said? Tyrant, Reclaim the Flame. And then they had an EP before that. Uh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, what are you listening to lately? Uh, lately, um... Um, I mean, I'm, I, I like to follow like record labels. And so, um, uh, one of them is like this one transcending obscurity. Uh, I think they're from India, but they sign, uh, bands pretty much, uh, all over the world, but pretty much everything they put out. Um, I just, I just gravitate towards, but, um, uh, they, they had a, um, something called godless truth, uh, that came out or it's going to come out. Um, it's more like, uh, yeah, like death metal, like grindcore, um, but as cool. far as like a like black metal stuff, um, I guess um, I saw one thing came across. You know, I'm a, I'm a really big Bandcamp, um, you know, person, and so uh, Black Braid. Yeah. I don't know if you came across that Black Braid. It's um, it's like a one man indigenous. White uh, Bell. Yeah, it's a one man indigenous project. I think they're from the like upstate New York area. Um, cool. they released a single a barefoot ghost dance on blood soaked soil. It's just a, like a brutal, like song title. Um, cool, man. I like all those words. I'll be checking that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's not, it's not as raw, but it's more, it definitely a lot of like atmosphere. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think, uh, those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there's probably something I'll probably think of like in a few minutes and be like, shit. I yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Blackberry, that, that one, I think a lot of people are, um, I've seen a lot of people kind of respond well on like the, on the band camp. Um, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah. Any, um, any other like, um, shout outs or any, um, you know, encouraging words, you know, for listeners. Well, I would say for listeners, if, 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 there's, if you live in a place where there isn't much of a metal scene, you can make one. You know, like the town I live in, it's, it's fucking real tiny. You know what I mean? It's five blocks. But there's metalheads, there's headbangers, and I see them, I see them at the bar, and I see them at the store, and we talk, and we've, we're looking for shit, we're trading shit, we're making stuff. No matter how small the place is where you live, you don't have to isolate yourself musically, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. I would say like that, yeah. that, that's the biggest thing of the last handful of years of my life, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm 
kind of like we talked about earlier. I mean, I just moved to this area and, you know, I just, I'm just so like a, like just a big fan that, you know, I really wanted to like kind of get to know the area and talk to people around here. And I found this was a good way to do it. And, uh, yeah, cause I, yeah, I, I, do, yeah, I do miss going to like the shows in the city and like having that social interaction with like people who like the same music. But when I come out here, it's like, there's nothing like I get off work and then it's just me here. And so, yeah, I really just yeah, man. having that social or just having that like connection with another person who likes the same music is kind of like what I, what I've been missing. Yeah, totally. I hear you. This is the longest I've gone without live music since I was 14. It's definitely the hardest part of it. But I mean, like, like I'm, like I'm saying, man, it's, it's out there. You just got to dig around and, and especially with the way things are going now, everybody, everybody out there, you could start a fucking, you could start a fan magazine. You could start a distro. You could just start even just collecting more seriously and get engaged, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I hope everyone, you know, uh, checks out your stuff, Necron, support your, you know, your stuff. I know a lot of it's um, online. We can stream it on like Bandcamp and. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's a Necron BC because I'm from BC. Just Necron BC at Bandcamp or dot Bandcamp dot com, and then uh, at Necron dot BC on Instagram, awesome. which is where I update people daily or most of the time. Nice. Yeah. Um, But yeah, thanks again for letting me talk with you. I'm going to hit the stop right now, but I'll keep you on. That was my talk with Bradley Glendale of Necron. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Be sure to follow Necron on Instagram. Also follow Necron on Bandcamp and stream all his music. Also shout out to Metal Cavezine for featuring Necron on their Indigenous Metal playlist. I'm going to play a track off the Necron's newest single with a knife down my throat. So yeah, thank you. Check it out.